Welcome to today's edition of the Author's Corner, brought to you by KNEO 91.7 FM, The Word. This is Roberta Foster, and today I welcome John Heyman to Author's Corner. He's written the book, Agonizing Peace, Powering Through Traumatic Experiences, which is published by Carice Publishing, and he'll tell you more about how to find the book at the end of the program. First, a little bit about John. He has a professional background spanning 35 years that ranges from private ministry to public penitentiaries and is now the president of Heyman Consultants. He recently created Elevate Jacksonville and prior to this was the CEO of the Jacksonville Children's Commission, providing $38 million to support numerous child-serving nonprofits. He's also served as youth pastor in urban Jersey City and Newport, Rhode Island, and for 12 years as senior pastor of an evangelical free church in New York. And John, welcome to Author's Corner. Thank you, Robert. It's my honor to be here. Well, your life hasn't been um, exactly a bed of roses. Um, In your book, you share the story of how you grew up in a slave mill. And so why don't you uh, give us a short synopsis of life before adoption. Things got better. Yes, right, right. Uh, uh, (laughs) That should be the title of a book, Life Before Things Got Better. (laughs) Anyhow, Roberta, this, you know, my wife encouraged me to write this book because of my experience that I'll share with you in a minute, but I should have written a children's book. It would have been a lot easier to do. But I wrote this on a very, very tough subject uh, about people such as myself and others. It's not a memoir just about me. It's about many other people, but I start with my story of Mm -hmm. going through very, very tough times and how God has given us the ability to power through those times and find peace with Him, with ourselves, and with others. But when I was a little kid, I was born in Athens, Greece, over in Europe. I do not know who my real parents are. They gave me up to an asylum. That asylum building still exists today. It's not used as an asylum Mm -hmm. anymore. But my wife and I saw it. It's still a creepy building. They haven't changed it at all in all these years. And that was the mid to late 50s I was there. Um, So that tells you (laughs) how old I am. I'm not a youngster, even though uh, the doctor told me I'm I'm, uh, in my 50s. So anyhow, uh, I uh, was sold into slavery over in Greece. So when people would drop their children off at this asylum, and it is called the Athens Municipal Infants Asylum. People Mm. can Google it and see pictures of it. The doctor that would take us in would, once we children, infants were put there, would sign death certificates as Mm. if we had died. So that if anybody came back to claim us, they would say, oh, we're so sorry, but Uh. your son died or your nephew died or whatever relationship the person that dumped me off was, because I really don't know. But they could claim I was dead. And once they claim you are dead, they can do anything to you they want, which is exactly what they did. Mm. So I'm not sure if I was sold or rented, but I do remember being with adults until I was around four or five years old, not at the asylum, but in a very small house right near the Acropolis. Mm -hmm. And that's where we children had to go up and beg. We had to beg Mm. for money. And if we did not bring back enough, I'm saying we as if, Anyone else lived in the little house with me. No one else did, but I was with other children. So we believed that we were farmed out, and we spent our day begging from tourists up on the Parthenon, 
And if I didn't bring back enough, I was beat up and beat up pretty severely. Mm -hmm. I I clearly remember being thrown out of a window of that little house. And um, so the abuse was bad. The the poverty was awful. But, but Roberta, you probably know, little children don't know any better. Mm. Um, I was under the impression that everybody lived this way. This mm-hmm. is just part of growing up. And um, it's probably why I dedicated my life to working with children is mm-hmm. I want kids to know that what you're living in now, if it's horrendous and traumatic, is not the way uh, life is supposed to be. It's not the way God designed it. Mm-hmm. I, I was blessed to be adopted out of that situation. But that was my early life before adoption. And so how did you come to know about Jesus and receive the wonderful gift of his peace? Amen. I love that question because some some interviewers have asked me, um, where was God in all this? And I said to them, I never thought about God because our Father, which art in heaven, uh-huh. oh my gosh, I didn't have a father. So I had no concept of what a father should be, and I never thought about God, and nobody talked to me about God. Mm -hmm. So when I was adopted, um, uh, I flew in to uh, LaGuardia Airport, New York City, and I had a basket next to me on the plane with a little baby in it. She became my sister. She's not Mm -hmm. my blood sister, but she she became my sister. And my my mom, Lois Heyman, hence my last name, Heyman, my, my Greek name is actually... Pondalame and Kudinos. Oh. And Kudinos is a pretty famous uh, name in Greece, but we're not sure if they just gave me that name because the adoption papers are all bogus. Anyhow, um, so she was working with a, uh, a mission that was providing food and clothing to children over in Athens, Greece, who for years the poverty was terrible because of what Hitler did post-World War II and uh, what he did to the nation. And um, over 100,000 people were killed, just murdered on the streets. Mm. And just people were left in poverty. There was no economy. So she worked with this, um, and, and she said, aren't we just perpetuating the inevitable? These children are going to die anyhow. And uh, Spiros Zodiades, a great Greek scholar, had, one, had said to her, well, what do you propose? And she said, how about if we adopt some of these kids? Mm-hmm. And he said, you be the first. And she did. She okay. adopted me and my sister. And when I landed in LaGuardia Airport, You have to understand, Roberta, every time an adult touched me, they hurt me in Greece. So when I got off the Mm. plane, all these huggy, Mm. loving, amazing people wanted to just embrace me. Mm -hmm. And I pushed them away. I kicked at them. I punched at them as a little kid. I wanted nothing to do with anybody touching me. And Roberta, it took me two full years before I let my mom Mm. in Teaneck, New Jersey, in the kitchen of my house, give me a hug. I mm. just, I wanted to be touched by nobody. In fact, I was shocked for those two years that nobody had hurt me. So I started to trust. And I learned a huge lesson as a kid that forgiveness is free. That's what Jesus has provided mm-hmm. for us on the cross of, of Calvary. Forgiveness is free because somebody else paid for it. Mm-hmm. But trust is earned. Mm. Trust has to be demonstrated. And in two years, I finally let my mom hug me. So now I was about seven years old, started to go the, to an, uh, an evangelical church that preached the gospel. And when I was nine years old, uh, my pastor called, had an altar call. That's what they used to call. They don't do that much in churches anymore. But he called people up front to pray and accept Christ mm-hmm. as Savior. And at nine years old, that's what I did in my home church. Mm, so that was my journey from zero to about nine years old. 
Wonderful. Well, we're going to find out more about um, John's story of actually experiencing agonizing peace and uh, get a little insight into that title here in just a moment. I'm talking with John Heyman regarding his book, Agonizing Peace, Powering Through Traumatic Experiences, which is published by Carice Publishing. And you're listening to Author's Corner. I'm Roberta Foster. So you talk about the word peace in the title of your book, but agonizing peace. And somehow those two words don't typically relate to each other. So share with us um, why you titled your book that way and what you're trying to tell people through the writing of your book. Well, thank you. That's a deeply uh, a deeply biblical concept, agonizing peace, but it does come from Jesus' life. If you remember in Luke twenty two forty two, he was agonizing in the Garden of Gethsemane, right. and he did not want to be crucified. He said to the Father, he said, if you would pass this If it be your will, pass this cup from me. I don't want to go through this. Um, But he did. And the following statement, he said, but not my will, but yours be done. But it tells us that he was agonizing when he was praying this prayer, agonizing so much so that his capillaries burst and he sweat drops of blood. Mm -hmm. In the medical field, they call it hematidrosis. It It is super filled with anxiety. And that's what Jesus was going through at that moment in the Garden of Gethsemane before the crucifixion. But the real question is this. Was he at peace at that time? Mm -hmm. Was he at peace? No, he was not at the peace that we talk about today, where we take a sigh and a deep breath and go, ah, I'm at peace Mm -hmm. with that. Mm -hmm. Because if that's what people believe all peace is, this book is not for you. This book is about those agonizing times where we where we, where we tell God, I don't want to go through this. Why am I going through this? Um, and we don't have the full answers. But agonizing peace means, and hear me cl- closely for those who are listening, hear me closely, agonizing peace means having inner contentment with outer circumstances, no matter what they are. Mm. And that is agonizing at times, mm-hmm. when we don't feel the presence of God in our life. But He is there. One person asked me on an interview, it was a call-in show, and he said, I don't believe in God, so what good is your book? And I said, sir, you apparently are listening to this, (laughs) and you are thinking about God. And I said, there's nobody I have ever met. And I give a lot of illustrations in the book of children that have passed away, of a car accident that took five teenagers' lives all in one fell swoop. Mm. These are real things, that uh, uh, a couple suicides and many things I left out of the book. But I said to this person, I said, every time somebody goes through a traumatic experience, they think about God, even if they don't believe in Him. Hmm. They think about Him, and they question. Even believers think about God and question God during times of trauma. Mm -hmm. And that's why my book was written. It's for those people whose soul right this minute is not well. If you remember the old song, It Is Well With mm-hmm. My Soul, written by a man whose five children drowned in Atlantic in the Atlantic Ocean. And then his son died, um, two sons died uh, at different times in his life. He lost six of his seven children, and he wrote that song, mm-hmm. It Is Well With My Soul. Mm-hmm. I don't have enough time to tell the whole story, but wow, that's the kind of peace mm-hmm. I want in my life. Mm-hmm. Well, we have just about a minute left, um, but your book makes it clear that true peace comes through surrender, and surrender to what? 
surrender to God. Um, interestingly enough, when um, the Japanese surrendered to the United States in 1945, September 2nd, actually, which is my birthday, 1945 is not my birthday, but September 2nd is, um, they lost, they lost a war. And that's what we think of when we think of surrender. But biblical surrender, we lose nothing. We gain. Mm. We do not lose anything. In Second uh, Timothy, it says God has not given us a spirit of, of timidity or, or helplessness mm-hmm. or fear. Actually, the Greek word means puny soul. We're not given a puny soul. We are given a huge soul. And he says he's not given us that, but a power of love and self-discipline. Oh, my mm-hmm. gosh, if we could teach that to our young people today, mm-hmm. we'd have an amazing youth uh, take over this country. Anyhow, um, yeah, uh, p- Surrender is surrendering to God, even when you don't have all the answers. Mm. Um, I had an atheist call me one day uh, on one of the shows and and say to me, what do you mean by this surrender thing? And I said, "Uh, you don't believe in God. He said, no, I don't. I said, so you have no answers. And he got real quiet. (laughs) I said, you have no answers to the questions you're answering. You're asking me. I said, I only have some of the answers. I wish I had all of them. Mm -hmm. And someday I will. I said, but I'm not so sure you will. And I said, you need to think deeply about that. So that's what surrender is. Surrender is saying, I don't know everything, but I'm okay with that. Paul said, we look through a glass darkly. We don't see things as clearly as we wish we would. And those are the most frustrating things even for a believer. And that's why I wrote this book, because most of the preaching today is not about people that are in, in moments of doubt because of a traumatic experience. It's not about them. And I wanted my book to touch those people and say, it can be well with your soul no matter what you are going through. Mm. Surrender to God, and there will come a time where you will have every answer mm-hmm. to every question. Amen. So never give up. Well, I'm talking today with John Heyman about his book, Agonizing Peace, Powering Through Traumatic Experiences. And you've heard how John had lived some traumatic experiences himself. So he's got personal testimony as well as that of many others. How can people find this book, John? You can find it on Amazon. Uh, You can find it Kindle version, Audible, hardback, paperback, uh, Walmart, uh, ChristianBooks.com, Goodreads. All of those have it. You can also buy it directly from the publisher, uh, or you can get it. I I think I have a link on my website, which is HeymanConsulting.com. Heyman is spelled H-E-Y-M-A-N-N, HeymanConsulting.com. And I have a link there uh, how you can get the book as well. Great. So one more time, the book is Agonizing Peace, Powering Through Traumatic Experiences. And I've been talking with John Heyman. And we certainly thank Carice Publishing for giving us a copy of the book to talk about. John, it's been a real pleasure and encouragement talking with you today. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Roberta. Appreciate it. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in. This is Roberta Foster on the Author's Corner. If you missed any part of today's interview or would like to hear it again, you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Join us again next time on Author's Corner. Do you have five minutes for God? I'm Pastor Ed Wilson, and I believe there's no better way to begin each morning than spending a little time with Him. That's why every weekday morning I bring you a short devotional broadcast designed just for that. 
Look up God's Five Minutes wherever you get your podcasts to kickstart your spiritual walk for each day. We'll always do it in five minutes or less. Have you talked to God today?